0: Hello all, this is Michelle, your host for the Her Do It Podcast, where we talk to people, mostly women, that you can relate to about their money stories. Today's episode is an exciting and long-awaited one because I spoke to Natasha Gideon. You would know her as Marie Joel Kondo on Instagram. She is a real estate negotiator, or for the layman, a real estate agent. We had such a great conversation that we overran our usual 15-minute episode time for her do it. So, I will be splitting this episode into two shorter parts. One covering Natasha's advice on real estate purchase and investments. And another one for you to know more about Natasha and her own money story. So, for this episode, if you're looking to understand real estate purchases for your own stay or for investments, and you have a lot of questions about what to do, what to buy, how much money is needed, Legal fees, debt service ratios, freehold, leasehold, landed properties, strata, condos I know you guys have all these questions in mind So I've asked them on behalf of you already If you're looking to buy a property in 2021 This is exactly the episode for you Be sure to grab a pen and paper Or whip out a tool to take notes to write everything down Because you will need to remember them Without further ado, let's hop right into the episode So I wanted to start with misconceptions in general you've met a lot of people uh, in your career as a real estate negotiator what are the common or like the top three misconceptions about real estate that you really want people to know and to understand
1: the main one is number one is something that i wouldn't say i don't know if you would call this a misconception but i i feel like a lot of people when they approach me um, because I give free consultations, so when I when they approach me, they're like, you know, Natasha, I don't think I can afford property. So the misconception is that you it's out of your reach, and that you you can't afford it. I think you probably can. You just don't know what's your eligibility. You don't know what the different you know like bantuan kerajaan. What what can you? Uh, what opportunities can you use to, to make a purchase and things like that. So I think number one would be the misconception of your own self being able to afford a property or not, right? Because I think as low as um 2500 you can purchase rumah sangoku or rumah Wheat, you know, things like that. It's whether or not you know what's the process, what's the procedure, or whether you want to or not. Yeah. Number two is that prices are going to drop. I've been mean, like every year, even before the pandemic. People are like, "I'm waiting for the right time. The price is going to drop." I'm like, "Okay, that makes sense. It might. Even in the pandemic, you know, the price, the prices of subsidized properties have dropped, but they will not drop to an extent where, oh, I can buy a landed property in PJ for three hundred thousand. And that's not going to happen. That's." Let's not kid ourselves. Mm-hmm. I would love if that were real. I would be the first one in line to purchase, but yeah, that's mm-hmm. not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Number mm-hmm. three is there is no bubble. Whatever you've seen in movies, if you've watched a big short, okay, the bubble happened in in America. We do not have a bubble because Bang Nagara is very strict. On, and stringent on the loans that they give out. I've even spoken to some bankers and they've mentioned this was in 2018, 2019. The economy has all has been soft since 2018, 2019. Bank Negara would just randomly do check, like, spot checks. They'll come to any branch and they'll just pick up random files and they'll check whether, okay, is this person really eligible for the loan or did you guys just like simply give out the loan? And if they catch any banks doing that, that bank can be suspended. Mm -hmm. for a few weeks, Mm -hmm. so they're very, they're very stringent. So no bubble, so those are three misconceptions.
0: So, recapping very quickly, the first misconception is affordability. So actually everyone, if you really look into it, you can actually afford a property, you don't have to be making like five, six figures to do that. Mm -hmm. Two, it's untrue that prices are going to drop, well, Don't hope for that And I think that's similar To any other investment As well Right, People are always Waiting for prices To drop Before they take any action And then they Ultimately don't Take any action And you You regret Not doing that Actually And the final one is There is no bubble Like maybe people Have been watching Too many movies And hoping that There is a bubble But actually Maybe a lot of people Are living in Like a fictional world (laughs) Yeah (laughs) The next question I have ties into The misconceptions That you spoke about I guess the first one on affordability, if we are looking at millennials today, the early 20s to the 30s, if they are looking to buy a house, then if you say that affordability shouldn't be an issue for them, what should they think about before they purchase a property? Like, where do they start? In two parts, one would be if they want to buy a house to stay versus for investment.
1: Okay, so it's very important to really sit down and think about property purchases because I've been getting a lot of inquiries that are that sound like okay Natasha I have 500,000 I need a property in Clang Valley so it becomes very a wide radius for me to look at like Klang Valley is huge yes. so I feel like even for own stay or investment but particularly on own stay when you want to decide what you want to buy, number one, make sure you're familiar with the area. So, a lot of people, if they are from, let's say, Bukit Jalil, they will not want to go out of Bukit Jalil because you know where everything is. You know, this uncle will sell you roti at a special price. This auntie does your dobi for, you know, uh, know, all this, all this. The familiarity will affect the quality of your life. Mm. So, get something that you're familiar with. If you're not from the area, I suggest you rent in an area where you would be comfortable for you and then you think about it. Should I make this purchase or not? When deciding, if you're not from the area, when deciding where to purchase, you can also look for the distance to work. It shouldn't be too far. It shouldn't be more than, I wouldn't say like more than 30 kilometers. Then 30 kilometers is just like, cutoff point the max, yeah, yeah the cutoff point would be 30 kilometers anything more than that you will be exhausted and you will not be able to appreciate and spend time in the home that you purchased mm. and lastly if you are planning to have a family i think it's very important and something that a lot of people overlook where your kids will go to school so Yeah, you're buying a property, you don't care where in Klang Valley. So, if I give you a location like, okay, uh, maybe you want to live close to me, Setia Alam. But, you know, do you want your kids to go to a different school than you? Maybe you were from Subang and you like, you know, all the the SMKs there. Yeah. You know, all the schools there. It goes back to the familiarity as well, you know. So, I think it's very important where your kids go to school, it's something that a lot of people overlook. So those are the three things that I would ask you to consider buying if you're a millennial. If you're looking for investment, number one, you have to look for what is the anchor that you're looking for for your tenants. Of course, before that, you have to you have to type okay, who do you want to rent to, young yeah. professionals or students. So if you want to look for young professionals or students, you probably want to look for universities nearby. If it's not central, something close to public transport, and amenities so you have to put yourself in the shoes of your tenant would i rent in this area let's say you want to rent a unit that is smaller and cheaper what would your tenant profile be it would probably be someone who can afford that kind of price right so if i can afford something that's maybe 1000 ringgit i probably want to use public transport as much as i can to save money so you want to think about all that and kind of
0: look for something that meets in the middle. Yeah. So, you would say that for investment properties, people should think about their tenant profile first, before they decide on all the other factors, so like location and price and all. What do you think is the biggest mistake people make when they are trying to buy a property for their own stay versus buying property for investment? Does it come into the misconceptions you had as well?
1: Yeah, kind of. So I think the, the, the biggest mistake that I'm seeing is a lot of millennials straight away, they just want to buy landed properties, right? And when they buy landed properties straight away, the prices within Klang Valley may be more expensive, so they tend to go further. So they tend to go to places like Rawang, Wang, Semenye, just outside. Some, some even buy out all the way in Nilai and then eventually like I mentioned you'll be spending a lot of time travelling on the road and if you're trying to have a family then you're spending most of your time on the road and not at home with them you're missing out on like all these golden moments whereby if you choose to live closer maybe in a condo which is more to work, fitted towards your budget but closer to work you'll probably be able to reach home you know, by evening not going out before the sun rises and coming back after the sun sets, you know. So I think a lot of people are contacting me and are like, oh, Natasha, can you help me um, sell off my property here, like all the way in maybe Punca Alam. We want to move closer to work. That does happen a lot. And so before you decide that you really want an ended property, think about the time that you be spending on the road. Unless you work taxi hours, then that's fine, I think. But other than that, I really would ask you to reconsider. I have made like this long IGTV on my page saying that if you use your first investment or first property, let's say you buy a condo in PJ and you live there for maybe five to ten years, your children are in primary school and you decide, okay, um, this property has increased in price. Let's sell it off for a for a profit. You use that profit to put a down payment for the landed property in mind. So now you finally have the leverage and you have the opportunity to to make a purchase, landed property closer to work. But that takes time, lah. Mm. Yeah, so use that as a stepping stone. Secondly. A lot of people say, oh, you have to buy freehold. I think both of these things like landed property and freehold properties, both of these things are what we hear from our parents. And, uh, you have to buy freehold They'll take, take your land, you know. But the problem with that is there's a scarcity of freehold land mm. in KL in PJ. So when there's a scarcity, the prices increase. Yes, it's, it's good in value, but the difference in prices, it's jarring. It's a huge difference, so I'll explain more on that later. I think there's a question on freehold and leasehold. Yes, uh, freehold is not necessarily always the best because some leasehold properties have increased in price more than the leasehold, the freehold counterparts, and freehold properties can also be reclaimed by the government. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a fun fact. <laughs> yeah, that, that is definitely a fun fact. I'll put that down on like when this <laughs> podcast goes out. But I think that that ties back nicely into what we mentioned earlier, right, about your upbringing and your parents giving you certain advice. And it like, really holds true even for what you just said, that I guess when we were growing up and when all these things were not so scarce, probably was good advice. But okay. now, not really anymore and we, we need to really think for ourselves and do the right research, speak to the right people to get okay. the most current information about things that we want to put so much money into. Yeah,
1: times, times have changed. We need, to, we need to adapt.
0: And on the note when you mentioned about distance to work, I, I have an anecdote. Um, one of my colleagues, actually my ex-colleague, he lives in Saraman too. And he travels to where I, my old office used to be in Bangsa South. So he's the first one to get to work because I think, I guess more and more people are buying property in Surabhan too because yeah. they want landed property, but then they work in the city. Yeah. And the traffic is bad, probably coming into Klang Valley anyway. It doesn't matter where you live. I think traffic is going to be bad in the city anyway. Correct. So he leaves home really early in the morning and he has to make sure that he leaves the office on time so that he can make it back to see his children have dinner, and then put them into bed. But for him, I think one of his major considerations is that he was from Seremban, okay. and his wife as well. So he okay. wanted his children to grow up in an area like that, where there is plenty of space to run around, and that they are familiar with all the things that he grew up with. Yeah. I
1: understand? Yeah.
0: So. A lot more work On his end To maintain okay. that But I guess he, He's been doing that For 10 years I, I don't know How long okay. Saruban, too, But forever But what's interesting Is that he recently Moved back to Seremban So he's okay. gotten a job Back in Seremban And also so that He can spend more time With his children Because okay. he used to Have to miss out On all the work activities That we had After work You get to know Your colleagues much better When you can spend time With them outside of work And that means Sometimes dinners um, After work but then he yeah. could never join us Because if he did He will get home at like 10, 11 yeah, The only okay. time he can do that Is like annual dinners Then That is insane Because to get home at what 12, 1am And then you have to wake up at 5am again To get back to Oh god yeah. I'm so
1: happy he's both back to Sturban.
0: Yeah, yeah But I, I guess there's so many factors And especially if you're planning yeah. to have children You ha- you yeah. can't just think about Okay, I want them to have a land. Property so that they can run around and play You also have to consider Especially what you said Time spent with yeah. them I think sometimes we think too much about How can we provide for our children But then we don't think about Us being able to spend quality time with them
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: The next question I have Is probably a bit more technical Okay. So a lot of people are still thinking that Okay, like I want to buy real estate Because real estate prices will always go up And that's what my parents told me, like, save a lot of money, buy a house, and that is my my investment or asset class that I will stick with. But beyond the price of property, are there things that people should know of in terms of cost before they buy something?
1: Yep, so if you're buying a property, there are a lot of um, legal fees that go with that not just on the uh, sales and purchase agreement, but also on your loan. If you're taking a loan, there's also stamp duty on both of that. And then if you're buying sub-sale, there are valuation fees. And then once you own the property, just putting in air conditioning, which is what I paid for last two weeks. Just putting in air conditioning for like three aircons can go up to 3000 not including the aircon itself. One aircon is about a thousand, so that's like six thousand on your aircon. Mm. And then you have all these knickknacks to put in and, you know, there's a lot of cost that goes into fitting a home as well. But other than that, once you have a home, if you buy a Strata titled home, you have maintenance fees to pay for. That's for your uh, public amenities, things that are shared, shared amenities. And then you also have like cukai pintu, cukai tanah and all that. So there are a lot of costs that go into owning a property. So when taking into consideration what kind of property you can afford, if you're purchasing, add in another 3% for the legal fees. And if you're buying for investment, maybe add in another 10% extra out of the, the, the rental that you want to get, 10%. Extra is for uh, maintenance, chukai and all those all
0: those things. Yeah. I think a lot of times people only look at the price of the house mm. but then they don't think about all the other costs that come mm. with it. There's so many more costs, even, even outside of, of buying furniture and fitting out the house, that's like the legal cost yeah. that's associated with buying a house. So when you're thinking about buying a house... I remember to take into consideration all the other costs as well. Is there a golden figure or, or a rough figure for people to think about to add on to the the value of the house if they consider all the, the ancillary costs that should come with it?
1: So when I advise customers, I think the biggest portion of the money goes into the down payment, which I didn't mention just now, sorry. So that's 10% of the house price. So if you're buying something that's 500000 your down payment should be $50,000 you add on maybe 3-5% to of the SPA price for your legal fees plus your furniture etc mm-hmm. but also that depends how much you want to spend some people they just go all the way and they're like okay I want to do ID so that's separate that's that's according to like your taste and what you want mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. but I do advise 5% just to set aside so if you're buying if you're intending to buy a subset property um put a, like 15%, 10% for down payment and 5% for uh, legal fees and miscellaneous
0: payments. Mm. Important information for, for our listeners. The next yeah. question I have is something that you touched on a lot. I noticed on your Instagram and it's also pretty technical. So yeah. it's about debt service ratios as well as a bit about credit scores Maybe you can tell our listeners a bit more about that On the technical and what do they need to think about What do they need to know
1: So I think there's one huge misconception that Oh, if I don't have a loan It's much better It's actually not I tried to process a client's loan last month And because their, their income was five figures But they did not have any commitments and so, it came up as nil on the secret score. Um, and the banker called me and said, Natasha cannot cannot process war. I said, why? This one say nil. She don't have any uh, any commitment. I said, alamak. Okay. So, now how? So, for those of you who do not have any sort of commitment with the bank, I suggest you get a commitment. The smallest commitment you can take is a credit card. Mm. So, with a credit card, maybe you can use... Um, a portion of it to pay your bills just you know like like grocery shopping things like that and then just do the repayment every month and make sure that you're paying on time once you reach six months then it will say okay this person has been borrowing and repaying so with that then bankers will see okay this is a good paymaster that's the term that they use but if you do not have any sort of repayments then they do not know oh, Okay, we know she has a lot of money, but will she be able to pay back on time? Mm. Um, and that poses as a risk to banks. So even as a as a human being, if you wanna lend money to a person, and you see, you macam, selalu bayar orang lambat kan? So why would you also give give money to this person? Yeah. So banks use that as a as a benchmark lah, basically. So, get yourself commitments. And in terms of commitments, some people don't know that PTPTN is considered a commitment. Yes. So, if you already have that, then you know, good for you. That's fine. You don't have to take, take out any extra commitments. ASB loan and then the rest, lah, the usual credit card, car loan, and if you have an existing house loan. Yeah. So, that service ratio we calculate, uh, we just take an average of 70% of your uh, income, your net income. So, after EPF and SOC, so let's say, we'll say you make 5000 After APF and SOXO, take seventy percent of that. So that's three thousand five hundred. That's the golden amount that you are able to borrow from the bank. Mm. So three thousand five hundred is all the loans that you can take from the bank still. So if you have, let's say, three thousand five hundred, you already have a car loan that's five hundred gate, You have three thousand extra to borrow. Mm -hmm. So three thousand can be construed as a property that is maybe around. 700,000 mm-hmm. so you the maximum that you can borrow is is 700,000 from the bank for property right so anything lower than that then you definitely can borrow lah so if you're looking for something that's 400,000 then you definitely know that there's extra space to, to spend yeah so in order to ensure that you do get the nice interest rates you get the loan you have to make sure that your repayments to the banks are cantik meaning that you pay on time yeah. every month, you don't miss a payment, and that you don't have too much commitments with the bank that you burst your DSR. So if you have too much, you have ASB loan, you have personal loan, you have car loan, you have credit card, then that leaves a small amount left to borrow. And that does not help your case. So if you are starting up and you want to buy a property, what I suggest is you buy the property first and then you buy your car. Mm. Because car loans are more flexible. In terms of approval rates So you get the house first And then you try and sell it Sell it For the car You try and get your extra income Okay You you get your ASB statement And you try and cushion the car purchase So get the house loan first That's ah, the most stringent one
0: Ah yeah, That's an interesting piece of advice But I think it's probably a little harder to, to do than, than to think about right Because I guess people yeah. Would need,
1: need a, a form of
0: transportation To get somewhere Yeah um, yeah, but that that's definitely if you're able to that's definitely yeah. interesting and, and really good advice to give.
1: Yeah. If um I I'm saying this assuming that when you start up you're using maybe like a second hand car or public or you're transport. Oh like, uh, yeah, or public transport or something cheap. Like what I'm what I did was like for the past nine years I've just been using like this Viva. It's like four hundred a month, but it has managed to get me my, my house loan and you know, I still have, have room to, to grow. So before you make you're making that, that big car purchase is what I mean. Like before you're getting like your Honda City, yeah. your Honda City, Mazda, you know, get the house first and then get the Jeep car. Yeah. No problem. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, definitely. Good one.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, like a lot of like packed lot of information there. I think definitely the PTP PTN loan one is interesting because I was speaking to a colleague recently. Pretty fresh uh, Out of uni I think like one or two years And she was About to buy a house But when she applied For the loan I think she didn't get it And she was speaking to me About Oh I think I need More commitment In order to To get A loan So she was asking me About credit cards And then when I was Doing a bit of research I found out that Actually paying off Your PTPTN loan Regularly Is a good way To showcase that So Would you suggest that if someone has a PTPTN loan already, um, and has no other commitments, but then they still aren't able to get their loan approved, would you suggest for them to add on like something like a credit card as a commitment? I think it should be
1: sufficient. Yeah, just having the PTPTN because uh, I tackle if you add on, then your DSR reduces. Yeah, PTPTN is a way to show banks that you are a good paymaster. So you just need to make sure that your re- your repayments are on time and there's no tunggakan, lah
0: never knew all this information before and they've never really been diligent with paying off their debts on time, what can they do now if they're looking to buy a house in maybe the next couple of years? If their credit okay. score is not, fantastic.
1: Okay, so what I suggest is, so what I regularly do is I call all the banks that are related to my loans. Like for my car loan, it's with Bank and I call them regularly every two, three months and I ask them if I have anything pending, any payments pending. And then for credit card as well, uh, I don't have PTPTN, but you can also inquire and ask. Besides that, if you don't want to, to do that and that's leche for you, I do it because I need the exact amount because I work commission based, right? Mm. I pay lump sum. Mm. You can do a Citos credit, credit score check. check. Yeah. yeah, credit check online. Mm. Credit check. Yeah. And key in your details, and they will tell you exactly where you need to work on and what you need to do, and like what's your category? Are you a good uh, paymaster? Do you need to work on stuff? Yeah. So that's that's a really good way to, to try and improve the credit score.
0: Hmm. And if it's not good, they indicate that like the areas that you have to work on, and correct. Roughly, how long does it take? Like, if someone doesn't have a great credit score right now, how long do you think they should take to, to work on that before they consider buying a, a property and getting a loan for that?
1: So, on on the C Secrets, it comes up every six months. Mm. So, it will show your past six months' repayments, whether you're a good paymaster or not. Yeah. So, if you're planning to buy in the next year maybe you can start from now and try to slowly take on your repayments. By the time you feel like, okay, it's been more than six months that I've been paying on time, yeah. then you can you can start you can start um, applying for your loans.
0: Hopefully, yeah. our listeners learn a bit more about yeah. that. And for those who are wondering about the CITOS um, credit report, I think they were doing a promotion and they were giving away reports for free. But oh. I'm not too sure if it's... Now, because I got my... I think earlier this year, I got my report for free And and it's fantastic Because it's a really nice page it's And everything. dashboard And it's comprehensive And tells you what you need to work on And what's your score uh, I think it's not free anymore I think it's like 20 something Like twenty five ringgit. I think it's a good Like amount to pay For you to understand yeah. more About your credit yeah. score So those who are you, interested
1: You don't have to do it every month
0: yeah, correct. You just
1: have to do it once And then just make sure that Okay from now This is what I need to work on And then you just work on that
0: Yeah And the last question I have on like the basics and fundamentals of real estate is maybe you can tell our listeners more about how they can assess their real estate negotiator or agent when they are trying to buy a house.
1: So we are attached to the Board of Valuers and Estate Agents, and um, every agent, every real estate negotiator or probationary estate agent has a unique number. We have a license so mine is REN21526 so what you can do is I also do the same thing I don't remember the I don't remember the uh, website. But I'll be like <laughs> oh, website. how to check REN license or how to check REN number and then the BOVEA or LPPEH website will come out and then you choose uh, search by REN number or search by name and then you key that in and it will come out okay this person's name agency REN number and the license is active until when Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's how you 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 assess whether um, you're dealing with a licensed agent or not because we renew our licenses annually. Mm. Yeah, the only problem is I think this year will be a bit difficult because it's it's nearing twenty twenty one and I still have haven't heard from like how to renew my my license yeah. for next year. So I hope <laughs> I hope listeners don't like look me up on the first of January and, like. She's illegal.
0: <laughs> but then everyone would be illegal too, right? Technically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah technically. <laughs> so maybe <laughs> they don't check on first of January. <laughs> ah, so what happens if our listeners Google and they realize that their their real estate negotiator or agent is not on the list?
1: So if it's not on, maybe you can ask them for their name tag and ask them for their their agency name, and you can check with the agency and clarify with the agency itself. Hmm. Because a lot of these issues are just random brokers or illegal brokers advertise themselves as agents and they ask to like bank in money to personal account mm. or you know just random things that you're not supposed to do lah, basically. So if you if you get an agent that has proper paperwork and asks you okay you have to bank into the company's account, then you know more often than not that's definitely something that's um, mm. legitimate. Because we do have an issue with like the renewal of the licenses. Yeah. Especially now during MCO, I think that's a bit of untraded water. So I'm not sure how that's going to work for me as well. But just make sure all your transactions go through the company. Yeah,
0: Yeah. in case anything happens. Yeah. 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 We're moving into the next segment that's a bit more on like your thoughts and your opinions. So let's talk about like the fundamentals of of, like real estate purchase or investment. My first question is... Tied to what I mentioned a bit on earlier. So for us, I think we're probably around the same age, same generation, and our parents are probably from like the boomer generation. Their advice has always been that like real estate is the best way to make money because probably they've experienced that and they've made a bulk of their their money from buying and selling real estate. What are your thoughts around that now?
1: I think previous generations had the opportunity to make great purchases in great locations but you cannot use house flipping as a method of income anymore I, I think i don't think that that's feasible not a lot of properties are giving you the gain of market value that you would expect so now it's it's a it's a long-term thing maybe you make a purchase now and wait for it to mature in 20, 30 years' time, but to flip short term, I don't think that's possible anymore. But I think in terms of what they mean, I do believe that that property is a good investment and can be can be a good source of, but like I said, like it's, very, it's very long term. But also besides that, our inflation at now and before is very different. Yes. So we may not make as much as um, our parents. Just to give you an example, I, I sold a house last month. I recently concluded this deal and I saw the SBA, my heart pain. So I sold this house, this is in Subang, mm. SS14. I did this deal with a colleague and I asked, can I have the SBA copy? Because I need it for the lawyers. And they bought this semi-D for 270000 in 1980 something Mm. and they managed to sell it for like Mm 1.55 million Mm -hmm. so if you ask me whether we would be able to get this like huge number like quadruple and actually more than quadruple right I don't don't think we will be able to in the near future but also I'm not sure I don't have a crystal ball Mm -hmm. but I don't (laughs) think it will be as much as that Mm -hmm. you know but still, a good form of uh, still still a good form of uh, investment, I believe. So if you're buying um things like landed property, freehold, specifically like very scarce things, yeah, and that will that's a money maker. But in order to get those things, you need like, a lot of money.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So like any other investment, if you're rich, you become more richer. Ah?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it, it's similar already. The advice to any other form of investments, right? That one past like historical performance. It's not gonna be equivalent to future performance. In a different yeah. context, but actually the, the fundamental concept is still the same. Like stocks for instance, like even if you look like how a particular stock performed over time like from nineteen eighties to twenty ten, doesn't mean that in the next thirty years it's gonna feel the same.
1: Yeah, yeah. A lot of areas have already gone through the, the maturing process. They're already mature areas. Like if you ask uh, boomers why did they bought in Subang? I like, don't know lah, Subang got nothing also last time. But now, wow, you know, it's it's considered a, a banda, banda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That.
0: Recently, like a few months ago, last month, two months ago.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, these are not things that you can expect. So, I guess it's the same as people who are buying in like Puncha Alam now. Yeah. Maybe in like 20, 30 years, you'll be, you'll be making a lot of money. But even then, that's leasehold. Hmm. Yeah, still not, not you're not gonna make as much. Like, I yeah. don't think. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I so, personally don't think. So it's all all really we don't really know, right? Similar to any other investment advice, then <laughs> like you can, based on these 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 indicators, maybe there's an opportunity for the price to grow significantly, but we never correct. know. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And just touching on the topic of buying real estate for investments what are the things that people need to know before they buy something for investment? For instance, like, what do you need to be okay with or what do you need to do? So what what I mean is, when you buy real estate for investment, for rental, you will have to deal with people, your tenants, problems with the house. So what are the things that a person who wants to invest in real estate needs to know and and what do they need to be ready to deal with?
1: Okay, so (laughs) I guess it's dependent on you. If you (laughs) want to face your tenants, then you have to be ready for people who will probably, no matter how good they look on paper, they may be different as a tenant Mm -hmm. because like what I do is I I did try to screen my tenants before this and they look really great on paper but you know they turn out to not pay on time or leave with the aircon and the grill and things like that and you do have these tenants from hell so what I personally do is even if I even as I'm working as a real estate negotiator I hire an agent to to handle my house Mm. I don't want to be in contact with the tenant Reason being is that sometimes tenants, when they get to know owners, they will try to be like cheap this month I tak boleh bayar. Like you know, after a first, after a few times, it's fine. You know, there's definitely you definitely need to be compassionate, but like, you know, if it's it's a reoccurring thing, yeah, you don't want that to bother your lifestyle la, la your your work la. So for me, I do hire another agent, uh, and he does everything for me. You have to be ready for complaints and repairs. These random things like, oh, you know, Natasha, your your access card is not working. So okay, have to contact management. You know, random things like that. And then when you're looking for a tenant, some tenants um, will require more things, some will require less. So if you are just starting out as an investor, I suggest you put your house up on the market first before you finish it. Mm. Because... What I did before was I just let it be bare and then I got inquiries. Okay, I want just a just a washing machine. So okay, lah, just put it in a washing machine. Lah. So as opposed to that like you putting in all the furniture in the world, you just give them what they need.
0: Mm. So,
1: so much money. But other than that, what else do you have to deal with? Okay. Uh? Mostly, yeah, just mostly the different types of people that will be your tenants lah. Yeah. So that's why it's important for you to decide do you want a young professional, do you want a young couple, young student. family,
0: student, mm.
1: which is why I really respect those people who people who rent rent by rooms because oh. there's like more than one person to yeah. deal with. If you really get a good bunch, then that's great. But uh, ayo, I cannot I cannot handle it. <laughs> respect to, to, to these investors lah. The-
0: Very good advice as well To our listeners are looking at that Like Make sure you think about Whether you can handle All these things first And if you easily Get frustrated With all these little things Here and there And they will definitely Pop up Like throughout your your life So Think about that Before you want to Look at real estate investment As like one of your Portfolios In terms of investments The next question We touched about this Earlier on In terms of misconceptions So now there's a lot of talk And For many years already But particularly for COVID-19, we hear about the moratorium and that potentially there may be a lot of loan defaults and there will be fire sale for properties. What are your thoughts around that?
1: I don't deny that a lot of people are going through financial difficulties. But I think what listeners need to understand is that these loans that are going into default are new loans. They are fresh loans. So if a loan is less than five years, then they're barely paying off their interest rates, which means that the property price that the bank has to sell it at would not be much different than the selling price. Mm. So if you take a look at like rumah lelong and things like that, a lot of the properties should not go below 30% of the market value. Reason being is that these are all new money. So new people taking loans and new people not being able to sustain these loans. So if you're looking for like, uh, leilong properties for like landed properties in Subang or PGA things that have been around for a while most probably these loans have been paid off mm. and they're just collecting rentals but if you do get gems you know that's good for you but I don't think there will be a lot of those that would benefit you lah. so if you see rumah leilong going for maybe less than 20% I don't think that that's a good deal you might as well just buy a, a sub-sale property and try to try to negotiate with the owner, see if they're desperate to sell. Mm. Um, because with auction properties, a lot of complexities. Yeah, You know, you don't know what you're going to find. You don't know if the tenant is still living in the property. Yes. It's a different topic altogether, but it's a huge headache. So yes, fire sales will probably be there, but not as fire as you expected to, I think.
0: And there are a lot of other considerations as well. A lot, yeah. Hopefully our listeners learn something from that. And I'm not just yeah. hoping that, ooh, I'm going to get a really cheap property right now because people are going to default on their loans.
1: Yeah, and to buy auction properties, you know, you need cash in hand at least 10% down. For a normal loan, you can take out EPF and all that, right? Mm. But mm. for auction, you you need the cash on hand at the day that you're making the bid. Mm. Um, and once you get a property, if you're buying a strata property, it may... It may come with Maintenance fees That are unpaid for Some go up to like 20,000 Never paid for You know so At the end of the day You don't know if You're actually making A
0: a Good sale Yeah Or
1: you're buying A good good property
0: Mm. Mm. Okay The next one is I I don't know if this is Something that People talk about But let's say If you are Older And you've always been Renting right And then now you're In your mid 30s Or or late 30s And you want to have A family is there different criteria to consider if you are older versus if you are buying real estate as a younger person, like as a millennial?
1: I guess the main difference is you're buying a forever home already and maybe forty, you don't want to move too many times. So this is like, okay, this is my final purchase. This is where I'm going to um, raise this family. So you want to think about if you're buying a landed property, whether there will be a bedroom downstairs, so that as you get older, you don't want to go up and down the stairs. But that's a legitimate concern for my elder clients. If you're younger, it doesn't matter. I think what matters is how comfortable you are, where you're going to work and things like that. But if you're older, I think you definitely need to look at that. And if you're above the age of 35, your loan will be shortened. So you can only borrow up to the age of uh, 70. Mm. If you're 40, then you only have 30 years left. If you're 45, you know, it, it reduces. When that reduces, that means that your monthly repayment is slightly higher I... than someone that's younger. So you need to take that into consideration as well mm. and put that into the calculations. Alright. Yeah, yeah, so those are the, the main differences. Okay. Other than that, I think it will be the same.
0: So two main ones, one would be like comfort... As an elderly person Or an older person And the other one Would be more on like Do you have the, the Kind of money to, to Pay for a larger Monthly repayment Great yeah. The last one on this Topic or theme Is I don't know if There's a golden number But if someone's Looking to buy a house Is there a number Of houses They should look at And compare Before they finally Decide on Buying one
1: I don't think There is a golden number But I can advise you Not to look at Too many Hmm because just like anything else, the more options you look at, the harder your decision is going to be.
0: Mm. So
1: from the get-go, just make sure that your research really helps you boil down to an area. And then within the area, maybe take a drive around and look at the properties that you're keen on. Maybe, you know, two or three properties that you really like. Go and see what it looks like within the properties. If you're buying strata, if you're buying condos, then maybe go into the properties, look at the Amenities, you get the swimming pool, you know things like that, and then from there maybe choose a unit specific to your needs. Okay, I want morning sun, or I want I specifically want evening sun in my yard. You know things like that. Make sure that you narrow down. Looking at too many properties, I've seen a lot of couples do that and eventually just give up from just mental exhaustion of all the input. There's a lot of information when you're buying property. Yeah, and you ask the agent, the agent will answer you, and then. You'll be like, okay, understand. Then you go home and then you process that. And like, but how is that different from the other property? You know. And then you start comparing, and it, it really does it really does um affect your your. It gives you mental exhaustion, lah. Yeah. So don't look at too much.
0: Mm, so your golden ish number would be like two or three, or yeah. okay.
1: Yeah. Once you've narrowed down two or three is enough.
0: And in terms of timeline, like how long do you think one should? Be looking like I don't think they should be browsing for a year,
1: yeah. Right, not too long because by the time. So let's say if you browse today, and you, but you you wanna buy in six months. By six months, I I highly doubt the property will be there. Yeah, because a lot of pro, like properties, although it's a soft market, it sells. It still sells. So the probability of you purchasing something that you've seen six months ago is is highly unlikely. Mm. What I do suggest is maybe if you're planning to buy in the next year. Um, in six months you work on your research plus your financial stability and financial standings mm. and then closer to purchasing, maybe three months, two months, yeah. And then as soon as you like a property, don't dilly dally. If you feel like okay, this is the one and you have the money, you're prepared, right? You've been preparing for like months, right? Yeah. Just just go home, think about it and then call
0: your agent and tell them, I want to make a booking. Yeah. yeah. I feel like really I suddenly had a light bulb moment. Like it feels like a relationship. <laughs> you know, there's always going to be yes. a better one out there, you know, if you look hard enough. But then it doesn't mean that you're going to be searching for your whole life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So if you already yeah. like something and it looks yeah. like it's going to work for you, then you go for it and then you can make yourself like it even more. Correct. Right. Correct. Yeah, like finding yeah. a girlfriend or partner for the rest of your life. The same. Yeah. The same. Yeah. So
1: agents are like your your Tinder matches. Ooh. Like, let me introduce you to your forever home.
0: <laughs> your agent is Tinder. Yeah. Right. And then you're <laughs> swiping on the houses. I, I love that. Maybe they should make something like that. You know, but it know, not right? not too many. Not too many. Like you said, you can't give them like unlimited swipes. Yeah. 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 yeah
1: so I give like for me I I just ask specifically what you're looking for and if you have already have a location in mind if you don't have a location in mind I'm sorry but you have to go back to the drawing board you really have to do your research because it's not something a lot of people they tell the agent okay I want this this and this and you leave it up to the agent to decide for you Mm. that's very dangerous because number one a lot of agents will probably show you the houses that give them the most commission
0: yeah hmm
1: I won't do that So I will be pening And I'll just show you Every house in the
0: taman Because you don't know (laughs) How Like what's part of Their considerations Right You're not them And Mm. as you grow up There's so many things That's a part of you And your character And personality That would construct A house that would fit you And you don't expect that Your agent to know Like what you want Mm.
1: Correct
0: Wow Lots of like Good stuff today Great Thank you My next one is Hopefully something A bit more fun There are a lot of things in property that people always dabble with, like this or that. So I thought of doing like a this or that style question. I have four. So the first one we've already touched a bit on, but maybe you can explain a bit more about that. So this or that, freehold versus leasehold.
1: So between the two, it's very dependent on what you can afford. Because um, of what I mentioned earlier, there's a scarcity of freehold land. If you can afford freehold properties, go for it. But it doesn't mean that leasehold properties are a definite no-no. Because as you can see, Bangsa South is a leasehold majority area. Mm. But it has increased in price by four times in the last 12 years or so.
0: When it was Karinchi, Kampung Karinchi.
1: Yeah, exactly. Karinchi, Bantai Dalam, you mm. know, that, that area was kind of dead. People really didn't expect it to increase. And I think of... Only a handful of people invested um, in that leasehold area. And now, you know, from it used to be 300 PSF on average, and now it's like close to 2002. Four times. Yeah, Yeah, four times. So it's doing very well. So between freehold and leasehold, it also depends on the area. A lot of people ask me, oh, if you sell property in PJ, is this leasehold or freehold? In PJ, most of the areas are leasehold. The few areas that are freehold are like Bandar Utama, and mm. those properties go for a different price altogether. Mm-hmm. And people there right? probably
0: are not selling, perhaps. Not really.
1: Yeah. Yeah, not really. Unless you're, you have a budget of like one mil, then maybe you can find a few here and there. But other than that, if you're just starting up, um, it's alright to buy this I I bought properties property as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So between the two, I I I wouldn't say.
0: It's this or that. It's just different yeah. considerations, and you never really know because. If you're thinking that Lisho is not great, it's not necessarily the case. Yep,
1: okay.
0: Next question is on low density versus high density.
1: Okay, I think you have to go back to what the meaning of density is. So density you calculate by units per acre mm. and what is uh, acceptable for you, right? Like for me, I'm okay with something that's maybe uh, 300 units per acre, mm. But I have to depend on, okay, how many lifts do you have, Mm. right? I think that's a big consideration. It it will always be something that's, I would choose mid-density because the thing about low-density units is the less units that you have, the more you pay in maintenance fees. Mm And I don't want to pay a lot for maintenance fees. So, I have a unit in Desa Yutan. It's in Jalan Yutan in KLCC, right? Yeah. And the units are very low density. Yeah. But the maintenance fees that owners pay are up to ringgit. Mm. That's just for the maintenance. Nothing yeah. to do with your house. It's just like the corridor and the pool and yeah. all that. So, mm-hmm. it depends on what you like. But I personally would go for medium density units. Mm-hmm. And... Less to pay for maintenance fees, but not really too too crowded, as
0: well. Yeah. So if you have an okay budget, then t- attempt to go for like medium density. But if yeah. not, like if you want to look for something that is cheap, then high density yeah. properties would be like a more yeah. affordable choice.
1: Yep. So but when then... you're choosing high density, you have to make sure that you get the technical parts. Like you're happy with the technical parts as well. Like how many leaves, how many car parks do you get? Where Where is your car park? Things like that, lah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely, because you don't want to be like waiting for a lift for 10 minutes in order to get to your unit, and that every lift is full when yeah. you want to get somewhere. Got it. Next one is living in the city versus living in the suburbs, like you mentioned, Rawang and maybe the Bangis mm. and Nilais. Yeah. yeah.
1: For me, the plan is like living in the city while I'm younger, being able to go to work and come back at a decent hour is important for me. Mm. But maybe, maybe when I'm older, you know, just closer towards the golden age, retiring, then maybe suburbs, you know. we never know. We'll see. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: And last one is on, we also touched about this, new development versus sale.
1: There are really good points to each. So with new development, there are a lot of government schemes. So in terms of down payment, maybe for units that have HOC, home ownership campaign, right? Mm. You don't have to pay 10% down payment. You yep. don't have to pay for MOT. Mm. And there's a lot of money saved. Really a lot of money saved. So if, if you're a first-time home buyer, try to look out for those. But if you need to to see the end product, then definitely go for subsale. sub-sale. Yeah. The hack, like the buying hack for subsidy, is if your income is less than five thousand ringgit a month, mm. and you're looking for a property less than five hundred thousand, you can apply a hundred percent loan from banks if this is your first property. So, the maybe the 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 bulk of the purchase or the bulk of the money that you need to come up for is probably. The wiring and just to repaint because upsale usually is older properties, so you may have to spend more on that. But then you get to see, okay, this is my unit, this is what it faces, these are my neighbors, and things like that. So it really depends on number one, your budget, number two, what you're willing to spend on.
0: And that's all for this and that questions. Thank you so much for sharing all of this really great advice. And hopefully, our listeners are more towards like. Millennial age group yeah. So hopefully They'll yeah. be able to Learn a lot more And I think a lot of them Are considering Buying property If you want to look For an agent Or a rent Natasha is your person To go to Thank We'll you. try to put Like your information Somewhere Or they can go to Marie Jo Condo To, to yeah, look sure. you Right And that's it for part 1 of this episode with Natasha on Marijal Kondo. Now that you're more knowledgeable in real estate, thanks to Natasha, it's time for you to get to know her a little bit more and learn how she got into selling properties. That will be in part 2 and part 2 will go live tomorrow, same time at 8am. A a little Christmas treat from me to you, having 2 episodes this week instead of our usual one. So I will see you again tomorrow.